Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Every pitch is your pitch. The greatest show on dirt. Omaha! Omaha! Deep to left field. Way back there. Gone! A grand slam! Wins the College World Series! Now, they can add college baseball to their trophy case. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus college baseball version. We are back for week two of the College Baseball Podcast. Like last week, I am joined by Brad Audrain. You can find him at Real Brad Audrain. Uh, Brad, we had a pretty good weekend. Uh, I mean, uh, Arkansas takes a series over Ole Miss. You, we look smart. You look smart for saying that Auburn was going to take a game against Tennessee. Any thoughts from last week's baseball action? I didn't feel like a winner, Colin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Friday night, you know, I, I don't know if we talked about Virginia Tech and Virginia, but Oregon State, you know, we had a power pitcher going and uh, he got his first loss of the season. Didn't feel like a W to me, but uh, we, we did our best and we'll, we'll, we'll try to improve this week. That closing line of minus 450, Cooper Jerpies, uh, he doesn't get the win. He, did, he didn't. I think he only allowed like an earned run or two. It wasn't that bad of a loss. He pitched well, but they did not get the win. Uh, and that kind of leads Brad and I into our first segment, which is power pitchers to back. Show him the curve. Got him. <laughs> Holy shit. That's not even his best pitch. All right, so last week, Brad and I were talking about Cooper Jerby at Oregon State, Garrett Horn at Liberty, Thomas Harrington for our Camels, our Campbell Camels, and Gabriel Hughes at Gonzaga. So I'm going to start this week with a guy that's actually at the very top of the list, D1 baseball, uh, Florida State's Parker Messick, uh, current leader in strikeouts of all Division I pitchers. Uh, he's thrown 14 strikeouts in three of his last six starts against TCU and Louisville. He's issued just a single walk in his last 31 innings. And he was just named ACC Pitcher of the Week for a fourth time. Uh, He should have no issues against Boston College on Friday night. I think he's playable up to the minus 400 range. Uh, The Eagles are outside the top 100 in slugging and OBP. Uh, Brad, what have you got from us for a power pitchers segment? uh, Just a name that you're going to back. Colin, I'm going to come down to your neck of the woods with (laughs) the Golden Eagles of Oral Roberts. 
they have an ace on the hump on uh, Friday night by the name of Legend Smith. Now, it's Legend with a D, so don't get that twisted when you're out there making your bets, but um, Legend's got 71 strikeouts in 55 innings so far this season. He's got a 6-3 and three record, but his losses are negligible. One-run losses against North Dakota State and Dallas Baptist. Again, I'm not saying that we want to bet on Oral Roberts going forward to, you know, win the College World Series or anything. I don't think they're going to be in Omaha. I don't think that they're going to be in a regional. But Legend Smith is a stud, and uh, he's in your neck of the woods. So, you know, we got to give him a, give him a go. Yeah, the praying hands of Oral Roberts are literally just out, you know, just a mile off from the outside of my neighborhood here in Tulsa. And Legend is uh, a name that they know. He's dominating the Summit League. Their RPI is terrible. They're not going to make the postseason. But if you can find a book that's laying odds down on Oral Roberts in a game that Smith is pitching, then you're going to want to hit that. Last pitcher we're going to name, Jonathan Brand out of Miami of Ohio. A whole Red Hawks some action here uh, with our pitchers. Again, another team that's not going to make the postseason. Uh, you know, they're not going to make the regionals or 243rd in RPI. But senior Jonathan Brand, I think he's trying – to pitch to get to the next level, 7-1 this season, a 1.17 ERA, 61 innings pitched and 73 strikeouts. His only loss came to Toledo back on March 25th. Brand goes really deep into games. He's at least over 100 pitches in his last six outings, and he is really the lone star for this Red Hawks team. Uh, anytime you see Jonathan Brand's name as a starting pitcher, that is someone you're going to play if you can get a line on Miami of Ohio. All right, with that, before we go into some futures talk and about what we saw with our, you know, with the SEC and then uh, also our marquee matchup of the weekend, we need to talk about college baseball. Last year, we neglected to tell you what the rules are. So in case you're new to college baseball betting or you're wondering how the postseason starts, let's get into it right now. So what happens is, is there are stats that matter right now in the regular season. And that is that are things like fielding percentage, like teams are not very good at turning a double play. Uh, it's amazing the level of quality between Major League Baseball and college baseball. So look at fielding percentage. You need pop out of your bats. Look at home runs per game. Look at ERA. Look at whip. Look at your slugging. Those are the most important ones that you want to look at. But it all starts with the selection process on May 30th. They will seed 64 teams just like the NCAA tournament. A little bit different is, is there's only 16 regional sites. So 16 one seeds will host three other teams, four teams per regional. And then after that comes the super regionals. Now, remember I said it's a one, there are 16 one seeds, but they are all individually ranked one to 16. Brad, how does it work in the super regionals? Uh, you just assume that, you know, the top seed Tennessee would host everybody. Uh, and, and the number 16 seed, if they went out, then they're definitely going on the road. But how does it work, say, if somebody from a regional wins and beats a top seed, do they host the next week? So if you beat a top eight seed that would have hosted a Super Regional automatically, you do not automatically get to host the Super Regional yourself. It will go based on merit to the next team up, and they, they seed them all, you know, one through 64, right, ahead of time. So – if you're the 12 seed and you beat an eight seed, well, the nine seed is going to get to host that super regional if they win the regional that if they win their regional that they hosted. So it is a fair situation 
All that to say, we saw basically a tragedy occur uh, in our favor a few years ago when Missouri State uh, ended up being able to host a super regional. Poor guys had a campus that wasn't on, or uh, had a stadium that wasn't on campus. They tried to host it at uh, their minor league park in Springfield. Next thing you know, there's a, there's a game there already, and now we're hosting. They're hosting. They were the home team in our stadium. And, you know, I've never really been a part of something where I've been so happy about something where someone was just so wronged. And it was like the tightest, tightest series ever. We won by like one run. It, it was a it was a bad deal for Missouri State, but it, it worked out in our favor. And it just goes to show that it is a little bit different. You know, there's a little less on the line than maybe in basketball with the money and everything else. Uh, but it is uh, it, it's a big deal. And the selection process is everything on the front end. So, yeah, yeah that, that's the difference there. Uh and it, it, it makes for a fun tournament despite the differences that, uh, from the basketball. Yeah, and it always seems like we have a year where a team pulls off an upset in the regional uh, a two, three, or I don't think we've ever had a four seed, but a two, three seed will pull off an upset and then they get displaced. They have no place to play. So Brad and I were using the example, if Coppin State, who is the team that's expected again is the 64th seed, beats Tennessee in Knoxville, do they host at Coppin State the next week? And the answer is no. Uh, they would more than likely host at a bigger stadium somewhere at the NCAA's determination. And I think that's really important with the 64 teams. This is all an NCAA committee, just like March Madness, it picks these 64 teams. Now, we don't know their faces. We don't even know their names, and they don't have to answer to anybody. But they will pick 64 teams, uh, and then they will determine who the top 16 seeds are. And then eventually, after the regionals are done, there will be 16 teams left. They will move on to the Supers, the Super Regionals, eight pods, two teams, head-to-head, best two out of three, and those teams, those top eight teams that win that, they go on to the College World Series, continuing to play in their slots. You beat Tennessee, you're the number one overall seed in Omaha, if that was the case right now. So very important uh, as far as that goes. And then in Omaha, it's two different brackets. The winner of those two brackets plays the best out of three. Uh, So we will get there. But what our goal is here on the show is to point out what's important with college baseball, fielding percentage, home runs per nine. And then we also want to talk about the selection process because there could be value in teams that the odds makers aren't seeing. And I guarantee you the odds makers aren't seeing it. We're going to talk about two futures at the end of the show of two teams that are projected to be super regional hosts and they have ridiculous odds on the board. So let's move on. Uh, Let's talk about our marquee matchups of this weekend. Brad, there's only one. Top 25 versus top 25 team. It happens to be the Arkansas Razorbacks traveling down to Auburn. Uh, I don't even know how to set this up. Auburn's fourth in RPI. They're coming off a tremendous series at Tennessee. Uh, just attitudes were all over the place. Fights almost getting broke out. Typical Tennessee game, right? I'm surprised there weren't golf balls and mustard bottles hitting the, hitting the baseball field. But uh, Arkansas is 25th in RPI. Uh, that's not helping us out any. We're having troubles with the sticks. What do you see in Arkansas Auburn this weekend? It's an interesting one, man. I mean, I th- I believe that I probably would have thought that Auburn would have come off the Tennessee series just by default when you have a big series like that. You play really well. They're they're coming in confident. They are. Problem with Auburn right now is that they lost their Friday night starter. They lost their closer potentially. He's questionable. Um, and in college baseball, 
it's a really big deal. There's just not enough pitchers on staff. There's not enough scholarships to have to, to offer these kids to, to field that many quality, quality arms. And, you know, Arkansas lost their number one starter prior to the season. I think Auburn is going to feel that. Um, now, granted, look, if they're 112th in home runs per game, so if they can smack the ball around against our pitching, which has been really good, we're fifth right now, I, they're going to have a hard time. But if, it, you know, but if they can, if they can hit it, then they can beat us. The fans are going to be there. They're, they're a confident bunch. And, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling confident, but the numbers do stack up in Arkansas's favor right now. The Bobby Pierce bat flip at Tennessee was uh, – I, I hope we see some of that kind of attitude this weekend. But I think that's just an SEC thing in general. Everybody wants a piece of Tennessee right now. And uh, I think Auburn was happy to oblige there. We'll see how attitudes go this weekend. Now, from a head-to-head standpoint, Brad mentioned that the Friday night starter, Hayden Mullins, he is not going to pitch this weekend after an injury. The closer, Blake Burkhart, he is questionable. They're going to come out – we're recording this on Wednesday. They're going to – come out on Thursday and say that whether he's available or not. But with a Friday night starter out and with their closer, they're expecting their midweek guy, Mason Barnett, who has a, a 4.19 ERA, a whip approximately of 1.5, and that's against pitching that is not in their conference, right? And and, when, and, and all this to say, for, for those of you that are not used to college baseball, midweek starters, it's more like practice, mm-hmm. but you also – whoever you start, you want to get a bunch of innings out of, you want to let, you want to let that guy burn innings and, and then bring in a couple arms that you haven't seen before you do. And, and the, this guy's max, he's not gone further than 4.2 innings all season on a Tuesday or Wednesday, which if he's going to be starting on Friday night, like, <laughs> I, I don't know. All I could say is I wouldn't want to be, I wouldn't want to be in their shoes. I wouldn't want to be in his shoes. I like Connor Nolan this week if you're looking to make, yeah. a, make a bet there. But, but, but yeah, it, it is at Auburn, at Auburn. And, and look, they've, they've got Sonny Deshara, who happens to lead the nation in OPS. The guy was batting 440 going into the Tennessee series. He's uh, not failed to get on base in one game this season. So there's a lot to like with Auburn as well. Yeah. And Connor Nolan should be about minus 230. Uh, against Mason Barnett. Now that is based upon their advanced statistics, but Mason Barnett's numbers all come in midweek. So, you know, from a pure numbers perspective, Connor Nolan at minus 220, but then what do you make the number when you consider the competition that Barnett's pitched against? So Razorbacks on Friday night, Saturday, we get freshman lefty extraordinaire Hagan Smith going for the Razorbacks. He's going up against Trace Bright, uh, probably the best pitcher on the, on the Auburn staff, but you know, 4.29 ERA, 63 Ks, and 56 innings pitched. Bright was the winning pitcher against Tennessee last week on Saturday, but he has not pitched six innings since March 13th. Uh, this one I'm just going to call a toss-up. Do you have an idea what, what we can expect on Sunday, who the starting pitchers are going to be? On Sunday, man, you're going to be looking at Jackson Wiggins, um, the sophomore five-star recruit that just hasn't quite lived up to expectations yet, up against Joseph Gonzalez, who is – the exact opposite for Auburn, the guy that was not really expected to start games start in going into the season. And he's, I believe he's six and one. He's, it seems to me like he's a guy that they trust and a guy that can be trusted. Whereas Jackson Wiggins is 
not a guy that we trust right. uh, as Razorback fans. Um, we got a vote of confidence from Dave Van Horn, though, just a, just a couple of days ago, right? Yeah, oh, I'm sure. I mean, what else do you do <laughs> at this point of the season? You know, <laughs> you're giving up you're giving up five earned runs a game. I don't know. I feel like if there's a game that Auburn's, you know, could potentially handle us easily, it's it's Sunday. Uh I, I, I like Hagan and I like Connor, but I'm 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 a little bit worried about uh Jackson versus Gonzalez. Yeah, and the numbers say that Hagen Smith should be about minus 120 uh, against Trace Bright. And then on Sunday, uh, Wade is going to be an underdog. Uh, Joseph Gonzalez listed at minus 130, according to the stats that these two pitchers have put in so far. So, you know, be looking for Arkansas definitely on Friday night. Uh, I would not, I would kind of stay away uh, from the Hagen Smith Trace Bright uh, on Saturday. And then I agree with Brad. Jackson Wiggins pitching has not been good. And if Arkansas does not pick it up with the bats, uh, you know, we were talking about this, about the Razorbacks, Brad. We're still not touching their futures. They had timely home runs to get past Ole Miss, a team that I called a corpse, beat us on Friday night, and then we went on to win two of three, but we had to have a Bra- you know, Braden Webb home runs. Uh, I don't know when Lanzilli's going to hit some home runs, but I think the Arkansas bats are just ice cold right now, so I don't want a piece of their future. No, it's, it's, it's hard to bet on Arkansas for anything right now, and that's the biggest problem. You know, we're not swinging the bats at all. Um, we're just praying, <laughs> praying to some higher power out there that Robert Moore and, and uh, you know, the rest of these guys can get it together because I, outside of that, we're all we're relying 100% on our pitching. And, you know, we are coming off two series where, look, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, these teams, we've played these teams that are supposed, we're supposed to be ranked in the top five all season now due to injuries and, and just poor play that they haven't lived up to expectations, but either way, most people don't just dominate those teams. However, Tennessee beat Ole Miss. Like, uh, I mean, they beat them like a redhead stepchild. It was just, it was, it was terrible. So I don't, I don't trust Arkansas right now with the bats, but I do trust their Friday and Saturday starters and with the injuries on Auburn. And I guess keep an eye on that closer. If, if their closer can't pitch, then that affects. The whole thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to be, they're going to have a tough time out of the pen as well. So we'll see how it goes. So Brad, the other marquee games, Oregon is going to go to Corvallis uh, and face number two, Oregon State. You and I both love Oregon State. Cooper Jerpies will get back up there. I'm definitely betting him uh, on his Friday night start. This is number one overall team in fielding percentage, 13th in ERA, fifth in whip. I'm betting Oregon State. Uh, if I could get a good number in Omaha, I would take them there too. And then Vanderbilt's going to be coming to uh, Athens, uh, Georgia, ranked 22nd right now. Vandy losing a series last weekend. Uh, this is, I mean, how important is this to these two teams as far as making the postseason and getting a two seed? Because right now they're both on the ropes. I mean, I think it's everything. Both of these two teams came into last weekend. Vanderbilt hosting Texas A&M and Georgia at LSU, and both of them lost the series. Both of those two teams were trying to take the next step to, you know, potentially move to the top ten. They had bad weeks, and whoever loses this is – I'm not going to, you know, they're, they're done. I mean, they're not, they're no longer going to be considered uh, a contender. So the winner of this one, you know, and I have no idea. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens though. 
Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. And uh, you know, one of the, it's knockout time in the sec and I think we'll save this topic for next week, but is the sec as strong as it has been in recent years, Brad and I have our doubts. We'll see if anybody uh, we'll see if that changes our mind this weekend. We'll talk about that next weekend. So let's move on to college world series futures. All right. So in this segment, we want to take a future per week. I took Southern Miss at 50 to one last week. Right now that's at 40 to one. Brad took Miss State 45 to one. They are still sitting at 45 to one with their most important games coming up. Mississippi State's season is still yet to be determined. Brad, here's how it works. These top 16 seeds to host regionals and, you know, the top eight that will host supers, it's all an RPI rating. And the NCAA with their selection process, you would say that the RPI is the most important thing that they look at, correct? You know, it's sad, but yes. It's basically, you know, they come up with their strength of schedule, which changes weekly, mind you. You know, you have a team that's ranked number one. Well, then they lose three games to a terrible team, and now that number one team's ranked number 75. And so the rankings are a bit of a joke. All that to say, the NCAA does pay a lot of attention to the RPI rankings. Again, they, you know, baseball, (laughs) they don't go – into quite the scientific reasoning that they do for basketball. But, uh, you know, we have it where it is and, and we take what we get. Okay. So following that rule of thumb, there are two, two, actually there are more than two teams on the board that have an excellent RPI. They're projected to be super regional hosts right now at this moment. And both of them are 50 to one or greater. So let's get into it. My first one, I announced it on Twitter on Monday uh, I was able to get money down on this at 150 to one. I took Texas A&M uh, DraftKings moved that number down to hundred to one. So look out for your other books. Uh, even at hundred to one, this is completely playable. When you look at Texas A&M's overall stats, nothing impresses me. They're hitting, they're pitching, Brad, there's not a lot there except a great strength of schedule, but the deal is they've won four straight sec series at Georgia at home. They beat Arkansas in a series on the road against Vanderbilt. I guess to be determined how good Georgia and Vanderbilt is, but winning three series, two of them on the road is a big deal. They've moved to 13th in the RPI projected as a super regional host, number seven overall, and it's being offered at triple digits on a future. Uh, Their remaining SEC schedule favorable. I can't talk about this enough. The gambling market is like a stock market. You have to know when to buy the dip. And Texas A&M is about to moon. And that's because their remaining schedule, series with South Carolina, a series with Mississippi State, and a series with Ole Miss. Arguably, three of maybe the worst five or six teams that are down at the bottom of the SEC this year. So they have a favorable schedule down the stretch. You can't expect that RPI. Uh, you know, If they keep winning games, they're going to be a super regional host. Look at their starting pitcher, Nathan Detmer. ERA. He's got a four pitch arsenal, uh, just, you know, everything in the kitchen sink, 58 K's and 60 innings pitched. But the guy that we can depend on to get Texas A&M in Omaha and do damage is Jacob Palish. He's a lefty transfer from Stanford, not a starting pitcher, not their closer. He's a long reliever and the best pitcher on their staff, 46 K's and 36 innings. He has a sub three ERA. Uh, Brad, he shut down Arkansas, right? I mean, that was the end of the Razorbacks hitting whenever they saw Jacob Palish. Jacob Palish ended us, period. (laughs) That's how it went. So with that said, that is a team that is 13th in the RPI and being offered at 101 out in the market. I would hop on that. The second team I would hop on is also high in the RPI, and I'll let Brad say who he's taking for his future this week. 
Yeah, Colin, I'm going to go with the team that I believe will be winning the ACC this year. Virginia Tech is at 50 to one right now. And it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, they could very well be a two or three overall seed yes. at 50 to one. Um, they just took two of three from Virginia at Virginia. First time they've beaten Virginia, period, in that rivalry since 2018. But Virginia's supposed to be a regional host themselves. Virginia Tech's ninth in fielding percentage, fourth in home runs per game, second in slugging, and 40th in ERA. This is a team that can do a little bit of everything. They're, they've got some young pitchers. I believe freshman Drew Hackenberg leads the team with the with an eight and one record. Uh, he pitches on Saturday though, but their Friday guy is a sophomore named Griffin Green. Uh, look for him. He gives up hits here and there, but he steps up in the big moment and they continue to win Friday nights and they continue to win on Saturdays. They've won, what is it? Seven series in a row. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, at 50 to one, they're the steal of the week right now. I I don't know. We've got Tennessee who's, who's, who's ranked number one and you're getting them at at what? Four to one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We have uh, plus four and we're getting plus 50 for uh, Virginia tech. Yeah. it, It just doesn't, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But uh, yeah, look look for Virginia Tech down down the stretch. Coming, yeah, I think ACC could have won the thing last year had it not been due to COVID. So keep an eye on them, uh, the Hokies, uh, as you look for your futures. Yeah, NC State was going to win it all uh, until the NCAA decided to take them out. I completely agree with Brad. They just went into Virginia's house and beat them two of three. Yet Virginia is twenty five to one on the board, and Virginia Tech is fifty to one on the board. And after Tennessee and Oregon State. Virginia Tech could easily be the number three overall seed at 50 to one. You have to invest, get a hundred dollars down, make it a $5,000 future, get a hundred dollars down on Texas A&M and let's get them both to Omaha. All right, Brad, I think that about does it for our podcast. Usually we debate who are the four teams that are going to make it to Omaha from the SEC, but I'm going to end the podcast asking you just one question. Sonny Deshara leads the nation in OPS. He has a batting average of 436 this season. And here's the key stat we had to get on the podcast. Sonny Deshara has reached base in all 41 games for Auburn this year. So yes or no question in the podcast, is Sonny Deshara going to have a game with zero total bases this weekend against Arkansas? Hagan Smith's not going to let him on base. (laughs) Saturday, he won't get on base. At home, at home, huge crowd. Hagan Smith is going to say no, sir. He may hit three home runs on Sunday, but uh, (laughs) – on Saturday, no, sir, he's not getting on base. All right. first. Brad and I are side betting $100 or a bottle of uh, a Pappy. I don't know what we're trading these days. But Brad and I are going to bet $100. I'm going to say that Sonny Deshara does get on base against Hagen Smith. Uh, we'll see who owes who on next week's podcast. Brad, thanks for joining me for week two of the BBOC College podcast. Thanks for bringing me back, Colin. It's been a pleasure. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Get your futures down. Back those pitchers up. We're on the road to Omaha.